This is Purple Elephant, where I bring the proverbial elephant to the table in order to deconstruct ableism, prejudice and misconceptions. On today's podcast, we have Corey Lee. He is the world-renowned traveller, Curb Free with Corey Lee, who just happens to be a power wheelchair user. He's a consultant, a travel agent and now a published author. I hope you love this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Accessibility kind of means something different to every person. And a lot of destinations and companies that are out there are really only doing what's required of them by the ADA. And they're not trying to go above and beyond and do anything extra to be even more accessible. Welcome, Corey, to Purple Elephant. Thank you so much for being a guest. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. It's really an honor to be here on uh, your podcast. So yeah, thank you. Oh, that honor is all mine. I can tell you that for sure. And uh, the audience, they're going to be listening to this. They will also be honored to have you. So thank you. For those people who don't know much about you, could you give us a bio? Tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, so my name is Corey Lee and I run a travel blog called Curb Free with Corey Lee. Dot com and on Curb Free with Corey I started it about six and a half years ago and it's a travel blog and on it I'm sharing my experiences around the world while traveling as a powered wheelchair user. As I'm sure you can imagine traveling with a power wheelchair it definitely comes with its obstacles but I try to share. I can still visit many many destinations around the world like places like India and South Africa and these places that maybe people would never think of as being possible in a power wheelchair. I really try to break that perception and show that you can do almost everything if you have enough determination and enough will to, you know, get out there and get it done and break out of your comfort zone. Fantastic. I myself used to be a wheelchair user and the most I did was go on the all-inclusive packet holidays with my family. So I've never traveled as a wheelchair user. So to travel as a power chair user, I feel is just an even bigger step because you've got so many more hurdles. You know, you can't, as far as I'm concerned, I might be completely wrong and please cut over me if I am wrong. You can't really pop a wheelie or a giant curb. You've got to find an accessible way to get up and down curbs. Like what have been your biggest challenges as a power chair user who travels the world? Uh, I think the biggest challenge is really air travel. Flying is a huge obstacle for me and even just like, getting on and off the plane. I'm really like manhandled and have to be physically lifted up out of my wheelchair by the crew and put into the aisle chair and then into the plane seat. And they've like almost dropped me during that process before. And even during the flight, I have to worry about when I get to the destination, will my wheelchair be damaged at all? Or will I be able to use it once I, you know, get to the destination? So it's, really a lot of stress whenever I'm flying and I tend to start trying to mentally prepare for that like two days before I fly just so that I'm kind of like in the right headspace and like trying to stay positive and I just like keep telling myself you know it'll be completely worth it like once I get to the destination like I know it'll be worth it in the end but it's often hard to see that and acknowledge that during the process when you're going through it. Yeah, I think non-disabled people, able-bodied people really take for granted the the complexities of what it is to travel 
as a disabled person but as you said your first barrier really is is the airport and then the airplane and why are you so positive why hasn't it stopped you traveling uh, I think just because I really started traveling from an early age and um, my mom worked in a school when I was younger and so she would have like three months off every summer and we would really use the summers when she was not working in the schools to kind of like explore domestically here in the U.S. and we would go to like Disney World every summer and like the beaches in Florida and New York and even like up into Niagara Falls like Canada and places like that so we really you know, started doing domestic trips from an early age. And that kind of taught me how to deal with the complexities of travel when it comes to booking a hotel or taking a flight or whatever it may be. And so then by the time I was like 15, we started going on international trips. And uh, by that point, I, you know, had traveled around domestically a good bit in the U.S. And I felt that I was like more prepared by doing that. So I always like to tell everyone, even if you maybe aren't prepared or don't think that you're prepared to go around the world, you really start local and just travel like a few hours away and you will really learn so much just from doing that about how to book a hotel or how to navigate attractions or restaurants or anything that comes with traveling. So I mean, start small and then you can build your way up eventually, I believe. That's really great advice. Do you find it laborious to organize a trip before you go on it? And just to give context for the listeners, as disabled people, we can't just book a flight. We have to really do our research beforehand, make sure the airline's decent, make sure that we've got special assistance booked. In the case of Corey, you know, someone has to help him physically get in and out of the passenger seats on the aeroplane. And then when you reach your destination, is that where's the accessible transport? How to get to the hotel or Airbnb? Is that accessible? Is it a long process for you, essentially? booking a trip before you even consider going on one? Oh, definitely. I mean, I start planning trips like six to 12 months in advance, at least. Like, even if it's just like a domestic trip and I'm just like going to New York or somewhere, I mean, I'll start usually at least six months in advance because, you know, the first thing that I really have to do is figure out if there is any trans accessible transportation within the city. So I'm looking up to see if there are accessible taxis or accessible public transportation and things like that. And that's kind of where I start at. And then if I do realize, you know, that there is accessible transportation, then after that, I'll start looking into things like flights or hotels. And then booking hotels is a whole other process. So I'm uh, calling every hotel that I can find online that seems like it might be accessible and then going through the list of questions that I have like trying to figure out if that hotel really is accessible like I need it to be and um, I'll request photos of the hotel room and videos just to be like double and triple sure that it actually you know will work for me and so that often takes quite a while to get um those photos and videos back and get all that navigated so I mean it definitely I mean definitely a lot goes into the traveling process beforehand but I enjoy that and I even like became a travel agent like a year ago because I do love planning trips I mean that's I think it's almost as enjoyable as actually going on the trip because it's just like really exciting you know to plan all that kind of put all the pieces into place it's like a puzzle for me I really do enjoy it I mean I definitely wish it could be easier and I could just maybe 
go on a spontaneous trip every now and then. I think that would be nice. Yeah, I'll definitely start planning early. Oh, thank you. I'll jump into the, you've been a travel agent in a second, but I just wanted to hopefully highlight something for the audience. So you have said that you live in America and you gave an example of traveling to New York and, and finding ways of making that accessible to you. For example, the transport being accessible. And I'm sure lots of people who, who live in America or live in New York would probably say, hey, but it seems really accessible. Would you agree with that? Uh, I mean, I think a lot of cities in America, I mean, there are some really nice cities that are accessible. So places like Washington, D.C., I think it's the most accessible city in America. I mean, I can easily use the metro to get around. It's fully accessible. I mean, D.C. is an absolute dream for accessibility. But then you get to places like New York, and I can't even, like, get on the subway, really. And the elevators are always broken down and it's like the subway is a whole debacle. So I really, whenever I go to New York, I only use accessible taxis and those are by no means cheap at all. So they are pretty expensive, you know, to get around, even if you just want to go like a three miles or something up the road, I mean, it's going to be $40. And so it definitely, I think, even is more expensive to travel with a disability in many regards. In the U.S., we do have the Americans with Disabilities Act, which is celebrating its 30th anniversary next month on July 26th. And so, I mean, I am lucky and happy that there are rules like that, but I think that accessibility kind of means something different to every person. And a lot of destinations and companies that are out there are really only doing what's required of them by the ADA and they're not trying to go above and beyond and do anything extra to be even more accessible so there's definitely a lot of things that could be improved for sure absolutely I'd love to jump in where you just said there about with the ADA but traveling as a disabled person is very expensive I've only ever traveled as a blind person and I sometimes have to take alternative routes and that adds a little bit extra on. But what I really would like to highlight here is from what you just said there, you have a power chair and you have to then find an accessible taxi in New York. The same going to charge you extra. There are sides to living with a disability. You may work hard and, and earn good money and therefore afford to travel. And in, in the UK, for example, we call this the, the purple pound. The, the spending power of disabled people is vast. When you add in carers and family members on top of that, we, on average, I think it's 270 billion that disabled people bring to the economy. So why do you think that they, it's acceptable, even if they are doing it through the ADA, to then charge $40 to go three miles down the road in an accessible taxi, then making buses and subways more accessible where even more people with disabilities would would travel yeah i mean i it really baffles me because i mean people with disabilities spend over 17 billion dollars a year just on travel alone so only on travel and that's a huge number and that you know we could be putting into more attractions or transportation or these even more accessible Air, air travel could be a huge market. So I mean, we're definitely out there and the market's huge, but I think that a lot of places just don't realize how much spending power that we have. 
And so whenever I'm like giving speeches or speaking at conferences or anything, I really try to stress that number, like the $17 billion. Because as soon as I say that number, I can see everyone in the audience, like their eyes widen and their like jaw drop to the floor and they're like, oh my God, we've really been missing out on that much money like all these years. Uh, definitely something that I think more people need to know about. And I think that the more that we advocate and try to, you know, let people know that, that we do spend that amount of money on travel and everything but really money talks i guess so um, i think once they realize that they'll start kind of changing their ways but yeah we still have a long way to go and it's hard to educate everyone and let them all know but we can do it slowly and hopefully one day we'll get there Absolutely. And I, I think you are doing a fantastic job in that sector. I'm, I'm chipping away here in the UK, doing the same, talking about the spending power of disabled people just for the economy, never mind travel. Yeah, exactly the same. Their eyes light up, their jaws hit the floor, and then they have like a million and one questions yeah. after the talk. And they're like, okay, so how could I do this? How could I do that? How could I be more accessible? It opens a dialogue and that's what we want as disabled patrons. We want to open the dialogue to say, hey, we're here. We have money. We want to spend it. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you touched on earlier that a travel agent for other disabled patrons. Can you tell us more about that, please? Yeah, so I became a travel agent about a year ago. And it's something that I kind of always like wanted to do, but I kept putting it off. And my readers and followers through my blogs like kept messaging me and sending me emails and wanting to know, are there any accessible travel agents out there? And I mean, there definitely are some really great ones that have been out there for years. And I really just wanted to finally put my experiences of traveling to these incredible destinations and working with different tour companies that focus on accessibility and bring all of that together and hopefully give other people the trips of their dreams and let them finally realize that they can travel as well and book uh, it all for them. And it's really been a fun journey. So, I mean, the whole coronavirus era right now has definitely put a damper in the travel agency, but um, I do hope that in a few months, once everything's back to semi-normal, that hopefully people will start booking trips again and we can get a that going again but yeah it's definitely been a fun journey over the past like years since starting that fantastic and just to deep dive into that do you host travel for those with wheelchair accessibility requirements or do you do it for all people with disabilities so i'm focusing on uh wheelchair accessible travel because that's my expertise and i don't really know a whole lot about what it is to travel blind but as a hard of hearing person i mean I'm not an expert in that at all. I really want to, you know, give people that do use a wheelchair, like, my full trust and let them know, you know, like, I've been there, I've done that in a wheelchair. If I can do it, and I mean, this is exactly how I did it, then you can do it as well. So I do try to focus on wheelchair travel with the travel agency. Yeah, that's brilliant. That takes a lot for someone to, to stand up and say, I don't know enough about A, B and C condition. So I'm going to stick to my own lane. And I, I honestly believe then that you're not only giving your full attention, but the people that yeah. will join your tours, they will also probably have one of the best experiences they've ever experienced, either for the first time or at least uh, a person with a disability using a wheelchair. I don't see that celebrated very often. So I think the travel agency sounds fantastic. What's the name of it, please? Yeah, thank you. It's a uh, curb free travel. So, uh, 
if anyone is interested in like booking a trip, you can just go to my blog, curbfreewithcorelee.com and send me an email through the contact page and I'll uh, be happy to do it. But yeah, when I was like starting out in the blog back to the like not focusing on all the different aspects, I was like just writing about wheelchair accessible travel in general even and um, trying to focus on way too many things and like not take one specific area of focus. And then after a while, um, I finally realized, you know, you really have to just, you can't be an expert at everything. And so I really tried to just then focus on traveling as a power wheelchair user, because even with wheelchair accessible travel, like there's a huge difference in traveling with a power chair versus a manual wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And when I was starting out with the blog, I didn't really know how much of a difference there was with that. And so I was just writing about a wheelchair accessible travel over the years, you know, I finally realized like I really need to be more specific and try to focus only on traveling with a power wheelchair because it is definitely a lot different than traveling with a manual even. Mm. And that's the thing. I think the statistics at this current moment is 4% of the world who live with disabilities are wheelchair users. That is manual and power wheelchair users. So you've got a gigantic audience in yourself that, that you can tap into and have done to create not only a fantastic blog, but a resource for those people. And I feel like even 10, 15 years ago, when I was a wheelchair user and I only went to like EU countries, there was nothing even online or in brochures talking about wheelchair travel. And so the fact that you started your blog in the capacity of just wheelchair travel and then really zoned in on power wheelchair travel, then yeah, your, your audience must be laughing because they're getting all this amazing information and resource at their fingertips. It just wasn't there beforehand. Yeah, I mean, I really hope so. And it's always like really encouraging whenever I receive a Facebook message or an email from someone and they're like, well, I never thought that it would be possible to go to Costa Rica with a power chair, but they read my blog post and learned that what they can do there and how to get there and what tour company to go with. And so, I mean, receiving messages like that, it really just keeps me going and wanting to travel more and get more information up on the website. Fantastic. Where would you say your favorite destination to travel has been? Oh, I knew you were going to ask this and it's always a tough one, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say like whenever someone asks me that, I immediately tend to think of Morocco. And um, I went to Morocco back in 2018 and went to like Marrakesh and Casablanca and Fez and then went out into the Sahara Desert and I was even able to like ride a camel in the Sahara. And wow. Do, like, all of these amazing experience that I like, never thought would be possible. Um, and Morocco really, really blew me away. And I went there with a tour company called Morocco Accessible Travel Consultants, and they focus on wheelchair accessible tours. And so they really like scouted every place that we were going beforehand to be sure that it was really going to be accessible for me. And that was just like amazing. And I mean, it went flawlessly. So that was like one trip where everything seems to just go perfectly for once and often like whenever I'm traveling I mean something is bound to go wrong on every trip I think as a wheelchair user especially or even a person with a disability I mean nothing can go right 100 absolutely <laughs> yeah, I mean for that trip it seemed to really just go perfectly and I mean it really just stands out in my mind still to this day and it was such a phenomenal trip
that's really amazing to hear and I guess it just shows I, I know they're a specialist consultancy but it really shows how things can be made accessible if you just put the, yeah. the time and effort into being accessible and asking your community how the best way to be accessible is harping back to what we said about the spending power of disabled people who travel then that shows again because the more people that have these flawless experiences with consultants are likely to go back to them and nowhere else. Whereas if you expanded that and got these consultants on board and then said, you know, in North Africa, we want to expand that further than just Morocco. How can we do this? Then the spending power would be tenfold, but then you'd also get great tourist probably even different tourist attractions than what an able-bodied person might might perceive to be exciting. I know I've definitely had some random experiences that kind of were given to me just because I was blind. <laughs> so yeah. I see a completely different world as well. And going through that disabled person, it would, it would just give you wanderlust and make you want to continue traveling. So brands, if you're listening to this, businesses, tourism companies and boards, get on it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, with that tour company in Morocco, I mean, I was so impressed with them that, like, after the trip, I um, like had them featured in National Geographic and in Lonely Planet and on the Travel Channel and like all of these sources that I write for. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, with when a company really goes above and beyond, I really want to reward that company and like help them out with publicity and do all of this stuff for them. If there were more companies out there. I mean, I would love to be promoting more companies. I think that just shows the power of if you care and focus on becoming accessible and really, you know, trying to let people with disabilities have an amazing experience in your destination with your company, then I mean, you could really get so much business and publicity that you would have never thought about beforehand. So, um, yeah, that's all I wanted to say there. <laughs> Great point. So another reason that I'm super, super excited to have you on the Purple Elephant podcast today is to talk about your amazing book. Would you like to introduce that and tell us all about it, please? Yeah, I would love to. Thanks for asking. Um, so this July, next month, I have um, a children's book coming out. It's my first ever children's book. And my mom and I wrote it together. It's called Let's Explore with Corcor. And so it's a book about a kid in a wheelchair that travels around the world. And so he goes to like exciting destinations. He goes to Finland and meets Santa Claus. He goes to Australia and sees some kangaroos at the zoo. And he goes to like all these really amazing places. And I really, every destination in the book is one that I've actually visited in my wheelchair. And so every destination, it is possible for someone in a wheelchair to go there and I thought that that was really important when kids read this book they can look at it and see where Corker goes and read about it and then they know that they too can go there because it is possible and I've been there and done that um, and so I think it you know I'm really really excited that it's going to be coming out on July 26th um, and it's currently available to pre-order on Amazon. Fantastic oh I'm I am so excited to read this book Purely for the uh, fact that as, as a child, I didn't really see many disabled children. And then I obviously then didn't see disabled children traveling. So the fact that you've combined both worlds, it will really like push travel, wanderlust and 
adventure into children that may have thought it's not possible. And I think, I really think this book is going to take off because unfortunately still there, there's a very, very small, narrow field. There isn't much in the children's world on disability, making the character disabled, but having a great time. The only books I've ever read to do with a child with a disability, it's almost been like a tokenism. Whereas the core core is the protagonist, but yeah, yeah, yeah. all these fantastic adventures. And I, yeah, I think that it would be absolutely wonderful. I think not only children, but families will have their eyes open to, to the beauty that is travel as a power wheelchair user. Yeah, thank you. And that's kind of, I mean, like you just said, I mean, that's really the reason that we wanted to get this book out there is because when I was growing up, I mean, I never, ever saw a character in a book or on TV or anywhere that used a powered wheelchair. Having that out in the world now, I hope that other kids that do use the power chair can see, you know, that there are characters out there like them and they're actually doing like really amazing things like traveling the world and stuff. I hope that, you know, it will inspire the next generation of kids to really get out there and start seeing the world, hopefully. Yeah, I hope so too. I think almost with the beauty of the internet as well, I have no idea if you agree with this or not, because you're a traveler, you're not a passive traveler, like the armchair travel, but everything seems to be, because of coronavirus, made quite quickly accessible overnight and I know there's been things like museum tours and uh, architecture tours and everything that that what would have been completely inaccessible for someone in a wheelchair or even someone with, for example, chronic fatigue syndrome that spends 95% of their life in bed, they were able to travel from the comfort of their own bed. And I find that really fascinating. And I think in cooperation with your book, if they were to have a look online, especially now, and see all these beautiful places that they could travel to, then your book would just spark real adventure in them. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, I have been seeing some really incredible things from my Airbnb experiences. I think they're offering um, some different accessible experiences. And then even uh, toursbylocals.com, they offer um, like virtual tours in a lot of cities around the world. And so even next week, I'm doing a tour in Prague um, virtually. And so, and there are some really cool experiences that are out there now during this weird, like, coronavirus era. And so it is definitely opening up people to more and more travel experiences, I believe. And I think that, I mean, if anything good can come from this crazy coronavirus time, then hopefully that's one of them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Almost like a political question here. Do you think that we're going to stay the same with all the support and the way that they've tried to make things accessible, do you feel like accessibility is going to be front and centre of our government's minds going forward, or do you think this is just a flash in the pan, so to speak? Oh, I mean, do you want my honest answer? Or yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm completely fine with it, but uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't see any like huge change being made too quickly in regards to accessibility, like once all this is over with. Um, I think, I mean, even, I mean, I live in the state of Georgia in the US. And so, I mean, everything here pretty much opened up about a month ago on like May 1st, um, the whole state pretty much opened up. And so people are kind of, 
you know, back to normal living already. I mean, I'm not because, I mean, I am immunocompromised. And so, I mean, I don't want to be, you know, out there and restaurants and in stores and shopping and doing all this with everyone else um, and, you know, possibly catching the virus. But um, so I am trying to stay as safe as possible. But um, everyone else seems to have just like completely forgotten that coronavirus ever even existed. And so they're out there like living their lives, having the best days ever already. And so I mean, I don't realistically see anything in the U.S. changing. But um, in other countries, I mean, it's definitely a possibility. So I mean, I know that New Zealand, like I think they have zero active cases now of coronavirus, which is incredible. And so I mean, places that are really taking it seriously, I think there could be a change. But here in the U.S., I just don't see any permanent change happening early. Yeah, it, here in the UK, and we're about three to four weeks behind, and yeah. already we are quote-unquote going back to some resemblance of normality, and it feels like disabled people are being left behind once again, and it makes me so sad, because we have so many amazing charities in the UK that are still reaching out, still supporting, those of us who, who want and need it and require it. But why should a charity, even one or the 20 of them that I could list off the top of my head, why is a charity doing the hard work of what the government should be doing? And I find it, I feel quite despondent by it actually, because I was really, really hopeful and quite optimistic at the beginning of the coronavirus. I thought, hang on. So for 50 plus years, uh, disabled people have been saying, hey, if you made this building accessible or if you made sure that we had BSL interpreters or if you had like quiet rooms for those with autism and other disabilities, then yes, this could be made accessible for the workplace. And that's just one facet, the workplace. And then again, being blind, it's been quite good having things online like audio description in theatres and plays that I probably wouldn't have had the time to go and see because I'm quite busy but actually just because it had audio description I'm like yes I really want to participate in this I really want this world to stay as accessible as possible and I'm guessing maybe for yourself you and I are on this call different time zones and I think there has been some beauty from the coronavirus because jumping online it means that we're not flying around the world and being super busy at like 20 million conferences a year but it when the whole world kind of goes back to normal, this will be forgotten. And they will expect us to come in and travel across the world to, to sit in an office for an hour that could have just been done on Zoom. I mean, I'm already kind of dealing with some of that in regards to like conferences coming up and they are still planning to go ahead with conferences. And so now I'm like debating, well, do I go like in October and November and like risk it or do I, you know, stay at home and miss out on all of these opportunities when, you know, it could just have been a virtual conference and everyone be safe. Definitely out there and becoming an issue. And I feel like, you know, when the coronavirus first started happening for the first like two weeks, everyone was really like in it, like we were serious about it um, here in the States. And we were all like really determined to, you know, make the U.S. better and get over the coronavirus as a team. And then like, it's like after two or three weeks, everyone else just got tired of dealing with it. And so now they've just gone back to their normal life. And so, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's such a weird time. And I don't want to say like, you know, I mean, definitely what's going to happen and what's not going to happen because I feel like 
you know, some it's changing every day. Like the narrative behind the coronavirus is changing daily or even multiple times a day in some cases. And so, I mean, who knows what will really happen within the next few months. But um, I do think, you know, that there are some things that should be rethought and definitely changed for the better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I feel like it's going to, we're not going to know kind of the, the weight of the world and what, what the world perceives as great accessibility and inclusion until the whole world is back on that even keel of being out and about. I already feel myself that, so I was literally told by the government, not just me personally, there was a government briefing the other day, uh, it was a week ago now, saying that disabled people are allowed to leave their houses, but we were told lockdown for 12 weeks, no kind of full stop, nothing else, because they wanted to make yeah. sure that we were safe. Out of the blue, off you go, goodbye. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm still immunocompromised. Um, go to all these places that I used to visit without people wearing masks. I don't think so. Yeah. Right, here in uh, Georgia, um, people with disabilities are supposed to stay under lockdown until June 12th. And so that's like next week, right? Or later this week. And so uh, June 12th and, um, but everyone else without a disability could be out in the world on like May 1st or May 8th or something like a month ago. Yeah. And so, I mean, really, I feel like that was even another form of discrimination. Like, yes, I, I know that I should not be out there, but why should I be like legally under lockdown that's required and you know forced to stay in the house and then everybody else in the world is like okay we'll go back to normal living and let's just leave all the disabled people in their houses locked up for like six extra weeks you know so i feel like i don't know i feel like there's a lot of like ableism like even within the government mm. yeah i really saw that as discriminatory from both you saying that in our youtube video that's also live now guys so go and watch it and um yeah. that the conversation that the government are having right now because if anything we should have equity and equality we should all be kind of quote unquote let out together but they should have been taking right. measures to make sure that every single human being was safe not not just the able-bodied non-disabled people that are quite likely to fight off the virus it's like no you know disabled people bloody contribute to the world too we work we we have children that children that need to go to school we have we have so many things that we have to juggle as individuals who just happen to be disabled and maybe even immunocompromised but yet we're told we have to stay at home how do you like it's almost like a rhetorical question but how do you think that makes us feel because you're reminding sure. us that we're again second class citizens in 2020 and as you said the ada this year is going to be 30 years old and it almost feels like it's just a slap in the face like okay cool so the ada one of the most powerful ways to to make accessibility and inclusion front and center well doesn't matter does it because all the able-bodied and non-disabled people are out having a jolly so, Corey, we, I think we could talk forever on these topics, and I'm super, super grateful that you not only joined us for this discussion, but show the world how travel is accessible and can be made fun um, for those who are power wheelchair users. 
Uh, is there anything that you'd like to round off with? And please, please plug all your handles and your um, blog and whatnot, but I'll make sure that they are in the um, show notes at the end as well. Yeah, I mean, I would say um, just to everyone listening, I mean, I would love to help you plan a trip. Um, if you have any questions about traveling the world as a wheelchair user, please reach out to me. I'm always happy to answer. I try to respond as quickly as possible. Um, so I'm on Facebook. I'm at Curb Free with Corey Lee. And on Instagram at Curb Free Corey Lee. And then my blog again is CurbFreeWithCoreyLee.com. So uh, yeah, I hope to hear from you soon. And thank you so much for having me, Sassy. It's been a wonderful time again. And um, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. So thank you. Oh, thank you ever so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Purple Elephant, traveling the world as a power wheelchair user with me, your host, Sassy Wyatt, and today's guest, Corey Lee. Make sure to check him out in the show notes below, especially if you're a wheelchair user and wanting to travel. I hope this episode has given you an insight into what it's like traveling the world with a disability. But most importantly, I hope this podcast helps you become a better human being. Don't forget to rate us on all podcasts especially Apple, and uh, I'd be appreciative if you left some comments as well, because I'm really enjoying the feedback.